Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for the day you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Every day filled with your glory, filled with your rejoicing, O oh God, because as we listen and contemplate and follow you, your mercy and your goodness follows us all the days of our lives. And in the house of the Lord, we shall dwell forever. We pray, God, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, clarity to our vision, conviction to our character. We pray that your grace would be sufficient to pull us out of selfishness, seeing life from a personal perspective and not a godly perspective. Give us the ability to honor you and to walk in your priorities, placing your kingdom first, oh God. Let us be entirely given over to you in the instruction of biblical counsel so that not only we might rejoice and be glad and fill the earth with your glory, but those that watch us might stand and be amazed at the amazing grace that set us free that gave us sight when we were blind. Father, cover every family in this church with the blood of Jesus. Cover the doorpost of our homes with the blood of Jesus. Cover the doorpost of the church with the blood of Jesus, Father. And we rebuke the devourer who that comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. We declare that we are healthy, wealthy, and wise by your goodness and by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross who has purchased us back in redemption, has purchased us back as the Lamb of God whose blood takes away the sins of the world. We give you thanks, and we give you thanks for what you're going to do with our children, to prosper them, to bless them, to make them the head and not the tail. Give us a heart for your things, to be passionate in priorities, and do away with excuses and complexes that doesn't allow us to inherit your great and precious promises. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36, this is a classic question that all peoples ask the Lord. Lord, I only have a limited amount of time to get involved. So what is the most important of all your teaching? How would you like to do that? Do that to the Lord. Say, you know something? I'm a crammer. I want to know what is the most important thing that's going to be on the exam. How many did that? I did that. You go up to the teacher and says, what chapters are going to be on the exam? And so it had to be a lawyer to come up to Jesus and ask him this question, teacher, you're going to teach us which is the greatest commandment in everything you've written in the law? What is the most important? Where should I concentrate my efforts? Where should my passion be? And he says in verse 37, this is the greatest commandment. Jesus said to him, you shall be totally surrendered, sold out in affection Love toward the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Three areas that should be consumed, consumed with Jesus. And many of us are lopsided. That's why when we dribble, the life goes that way. You ever dribble a basketball, it's lopsided, you go down and it doesn't come up. It it, it leaves the course, and you can't dribble. You can't go towards the goal. You can't score. These three areas are huge and important. And, and you'll see that many times we overemphasize, depending on who you are, 
Let's put the slide up there so you see these three areas of head, heart, and hand. Three areas, three H's. How many are headstrong? You have it all going on inside this little skull. You've become so lopsided in your head, you're so puffed up that everything else is wrong. Your heart is affected because you have such a big head. You, you're so intelligent. You have such an ability to think. You're a thinker that you have no heart. You don't feel anything. You put everything in a logical, rational category, and, and there's no output because the heart is twisted. And so we, we want to examine you this morning. We want to say, Lord, thank you for the thinker he is. But let's balance out his thinking, giving him some heart so that he can move in the expression with his hands. And so there it is, these three things that affect us as we, you know, we, we should send pastor on these retreats more often. This is God. It's his goodness. God wants to give us greater things in a realm of his creation. If we could fine-tune these areas, many overemphasize one aspect. They either big head. How many know somebody with a little head and a big heart? They're just as dangerous. They bring a murderer and a rapist to your house, and they want to save him. They didn't think about the wisdom of safety because they're all heart, you know, um, and no brains. God doesn't want Christians like that. Uh, the Christians like that bring a whole bunch of murderers and rapists, and they might even bring terrorists to destroy a nation. Why? Because they got a huge heart. But little brains, they didn't think over the process. How many know that God gave us a brain to think, right? It's horrible. Some Christian says, well, I just do things. Well, you're all hands then. You're, you're one of these guys, you got great big hands. You're always doing things, but you never think about it. Uh, one of our pastors, we traveled to Peru. They said it hasn't rained here for 30 years. And so he, he ran without thinking. He says, Father, in Jesus' name, let the rains fall. And the pastor ran over to him and says, no, there's a million people that live in the mud and the slides will kill a million people. We don't need rain right now. And so sometimes our prayers are without thinking. And you're moving quickly in your heart. And you're asking for things. Lord, I want this wife. Listen, you better think about that a little bit. You're all heart and you want to be all hands, but you didn't think about it. And so it's not God. God is a God um, who entirely wants to heal us. Say it with me, head. head. Come on, say it like you mean it. Head. head. Heart. heart. And hands. Head. That's a Christian. Somebody who's able to put things right in their head. Some people are heart and hands and no brains. So here it is. Jesus says, listen, let's put these three things together. Let's have a vibrant, heartfelt relationship with God that doesn't overlook these things in our faith. 
The head is, is that which we think about. A lot of us are continually thinking. Let's, let's see what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.15. Paul says, put your mind to these things. Put them in your head. I think that, that a lot of the, the, the precursor of what we do and what we feel needs to be put in order in our head first. Otherwise, we're running ahead without knowing God's timing, God's time frame, God's substance. Meditate on these things. What's meditate means? Inside. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Meditate. Spend time thinking over things. And then when you have thought about them, make sure your entire your your head, your heart, and your hands are there. Give yourself entirely to them. A lot of people spend their whole life, uh, I meet a lot of these guys all the time, and they tell me, you know, I wanted to go to law school. They, they wanted, their, their affection was there. And then they tell you stuff like, um, I should have. They have regrets. But they never put their action in the direction of their feelings and desires. In their thoughts and desires, they never, they never move. So those are people that have head, they have heart, but no hands. We never see the progression, and this is what Paul is saying, that your progress may be evident to all. I have had some men who have told me, Pastor, you know what I should do? I should start giving to the Lord $5,000 a month every month. And, and you know something? I was like, man, I'm so proud of you. I love your thoughts, but I'll never see your actions because you got a lot of thoughts and no hands. You don't deliver. And this happens in our homes with our wives. Oh, man, I want to have the best marriage in the world. Me and Yvette have a lot of people coming up to us, and they say, we wish we had a relationship like yours. You know what I tell them? You got to do what I do to have what I have. You can't get to where I'm at Unless you're able to do what we do as a couple, honoring God and seeking him, not only in our thoughts, a lot of, oh, I've been to 150,000 retreats, marriage retreats, and they live a living hell every moment of the day because they have it all here and here and never progress. So Paul is saying, listen, unless you're putting these three things in actions, you could have, should have, would have, could have. You're a should have, would have, could have Christian. You have the faculties to live for his glory. You have the desire to give yourself entirely to God. And, and, and I want to encourage you to put it into action, man. Put this thing on full gear and, and run forward. Run full blast. Don't let no one stop you. Because if you turn around for a second and you ask the person next to you, hey, should I, would I, and could I? That person is going to dictate your future. That person is going to determine your destiny. So to be able to, to gather your thoughts in this, his word, meditate on his word day and night. So everything you do, if you meditate in your heart, if you, it says, you put your things all over here, put your thoughts over here, make it your daily meditation so that what your hands do 
will always prosper. There'll be a manifestation. Listen, my heart breaks to those people who sit, especially, listen, if you're in another church, you can sit there and listen to the stories of the old, old heroes of the faith, and you're going, hmm, and you contemplate them. But if you sit in this church that you're called to change the world, our vision is that not one person would have any excuse to do the full will of the Father. That you do everything for God you want to do, you think about doing, that it gets done. So that when you get to heaven, there's no excuses. Number one excuse of a husband. The first man gave it. The wife you gave me. She didn't let me give my whole heart and my, my whole thoughts and my whole... I was busy listening to her. Listen, it's not going to fly. You're out of the garden. He says, Adam, Eve, you're removed from the garden. And an angel stood there with a fiery sword so that they would not come back into the garden. Guys, I don't know about you. Um, we were, at, we were at, the, at the retreat this weekend. And, and Yvette, we were sitting having breakfast with three other couples. And one of the couples says, well, my kids are growing up. And Yvette says, my kids too, but I don't want them to leave home. I want them to stay with me forever. So I, I want them to go to the university down the street. I want them to eat at our house. I want them to sleep in our house. I don't want them to be at the dorms. And the lady says, not me. From the time my daughter was one year old, I told her at 18, you're out. And Yvette was like, what do you mean you're out? Yeah. Every year on her birthday, I said, happy birthday to you. At 18, you're out. The lady was telling her daughter, you're out at 18. Yvette was freaking out, wanted to kill her. And all of a sudden she says, and when she got married, oh, she didn't get married. She went off to school. So at 18, she had to go. She left. And then she wanted to come back for vacation, and they moved and didn't give her the address. They were serious about, listen, their heads, their heart, and their heads. Ow. Pa fuera. But listen to me. You who want to do the will of God. You who have, you boast in your capacity to be an intellectual. You're learned. I, mean, I want to tell you something. The most dangerous people are those that are, it says paralysis by analysis. They And, they're, and they never do anything. They burn all their brain cells. They diffuse all their circuits because all they do is think all day long. And it makes me want to cry. It makes me want to cry that, that you not be the champion God has called you to. Now look at the direction he sends them on if he gives himself in entirely to these things, verse 16, 1 Timothy 4, 16. He says, listen, seriously, be careful of yourself. Take heed. You're your worst enemy. You don't even have to point to your wife. You point to your wife. Uh, a gentleman came up and says, Pastor, I'm having problems with my wife. I said, no, sir, you're the problem. You're the problem. Your wife is there to be a blessing to you, and she cannot smile. She cannot refresh you because you're always... You're grinding the wheels. He says, if you take care of yourself and to the things that you believe, your doctrine, and you continue in them, for in doing this, you'll be saved, both yourself and those that hear of you. The people that are able to, to see your 
head in action, your heart in affection, and your hands in delivery. Here it is, Matthew 28, 19. He says you're going to be uh, touching the whole world, not only in the limitations of your thoughts, but you're going you're gonna to bring it down to your heart, your passion, and you're going to deliver it by going forth and making disciples of all nations. I want to tell you in this church before I get in trouble that you will not stand before God without a disciple. You will not be welcome in heaven without saying, Vamos papo, que te tengo que traer. I got to bring you, Lord, here is my disciple. Here is the person that heard about you from me who learned about you from me, who followed you because of my example. Here he is. I hope those are your children, first and foremost. I hope you don't think that, that you can make what you don't have. So your children, this is my family, Lord. Look, I brought them to, I, ta I taught them about you. They, they love your ways. They keep your ways. They love you. They honor you. They don't serve false gods. They don't have false images. They don't have a disbalanced heart and affections elsewhere. Their head, their heart, and their hands are delivered to you, Lord. And then these other people that you bring, that, that you, they, they, I, I'm, listen, I talked to people back when I was very young who gave their hearts to the Lord, and, and they, they love God, and they're serving him somewhere in the earth. They know God. Those disciples go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You can't make what you are not. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be able to bring these people to uh, the footsteps of Christ. Verse 20, it says like this. Teaching them to observe all things, not some of the things, all things that are commandments of the Lord. So I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. Teach them to observe, to keep. I want to suggest that when you're walking in a headstrong Christianity, you're like Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, it came to pass that a certain man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, who was a ruler. This guy's a champion. He's a prince amongst God's people. And he came to Jesus by night, says verse 2. And he asked a question. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are of God. We have that clear in our heads. No one can do the things you do unless God is with them. Verse 4. I mean, verse 3. Jesus responds. Most assuredly, I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? Verse 4. How can a man come through his mother's womb a second time? Say with me, cerebral. This guy's all processing here, and he did not capture the message of the Lord's words in his heart. He was like, well, how do I put this thing together, man? Pastor says change the world. How do, I, how do we change the world? And they're all stuck here because it hasn't come down here. They don't understand that this man's life, Leandro, his life represents a changed world to his family. They didn't have no clue what it was to walk in the glory of God. Listen, you want to see the glory of God? I invite you to go see his wife's smile. The glory of God that a man would take and stop being cerebral. In, in, in his scenario, maybe heart. 
with no understanding. And so Nicodemus is trying to put it all in his head. And, and, and I hope you're not one of these people. Listen to me. Examine yourself this morning. Are you a guy that's always wanting to reason and rationale and logic? And I didn't understand the pastor's message today. Why didn't he use the eyes, the ears, and the feet instead of the heart, the hand, and the eye? They just stuck on stupid. They got some stinking thinking going on. They could never materialize the glory of God because they got some, some twisted connections there. And you know what? That, that requires repentance. Get pride out of your heart. Some of these the combinations here, listen to me, those that think that just knowing the word of God is sufficient. You say, Pastor, I heard this message before. I heard this in 1974. It was Billy Graham. It was in Milwaukee. Listen to me. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'll tell you this much, that it's not what you know that saves you. Because if that were the case, Satan would be the number one disciple. He knows all of God's word. He knows all the mysteries. The, the word demon means one who knows all things. So you don't want to be a demon and you don't want to follow Satan and you don't want to fill your head with a lot of garbage is the French word for trash. <laughs> you want to fill your, your head with the word of God. Make it your meditation day and night because it will split the pie in a manner that brings refreshing and peace and joy and prosperity. Don't, don't feed that brain. The fact that you can feed the brain doesn't make you a champion. Make sure that you feed it with the words of God in its meditation. So we have this man saying, do we go back into the woman's womb? No, that's not the way to go, Mr. Nicodemus. You must be born again. It's an inner thing, not a head thing. Some of you guys are all hard. Here we see it. In Matthew 16, 22, Peter, one of Jesus' right-hand man, runs up to Jesus and says, let this never occur to you. May this never happen to you, Jesus. It says, then Peter, how many know that Peter's heart was like this big? He says, no one's going to touch you. If they come to arrest you tonight, I'll have my sword and I'll defend you to the death. And Jesus says, look, you're going to deny me three times. On another occasion, he says, Lord... He took him aside and began to rebuke him. How many are, are so passionate, so caring that you disturb the work of the Lord? Far be it from you that this, hap this shall not happen to you. Jesus is saying, I need to die on the cross. I need to die as the Lamb of God. I need to go to Jerusalem. They're going to take me captive. They're gonna He's foretelling his death. And Peter says, come here. You hurt my feelings. This is not to happen. I can't, I, can't, I can't allow this to happen. And he's all heart and no understanding that it was the will of God for Jesus to go to the cross. So maybe you stand as a wholehearted Christian and all your expressions are about not what I think, but what I feel. Pastor, I feel this. Pastor, my feelings got hurt. Pastors, don't you care about my feelings? Yeah. There is a, an affection factor. There is a determinant about your sentiments. But listen to me. We need to do the will of God and not what we feel most of the times. Most of the times our feelings are the most deceptive. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is most deceptive of all of man's ways. It says the heart is deceitful above all things. But pastor, I felt I needed to do this. Well, listen to me. Use your head. Use your head instead of letting your heart lead because many times... 
This is why a lot of men cheat on their wives. They say, it just felt so right. Listen, you're dead wrong. Because you let your heart lead you and not the spirit of God, not the truth of God. The heart is most deceitful. A lot of people tell me, Pastor, you just don't see my heart. I said, I know. But I know your heart because in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says it's desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all things. Who can determine? Who can determine what the heart says? That's why obedience is so strong. Obedience is not based on how you feel. It's just doing what you're told to do. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. It means obedience is above the affection. Obedience, doing what you're supposed to do as you're told, is more important than how you feel. So it's not how you think. It's not how you feel. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all things, make sure you guard your heart. Don't filter things through your heart first. Oh, pastor, I knew that there was an event of the church and the whole church was going, but I felt. It's not about you feeling. What did other people feel? And now we're talking. What was the affection of the heart of God? Yesterday they used that verse. They said how good and blessed it is for the brethren to dwell together in harmony. To be able to gather. There is where God sends blessing. A lot of us want blessing and never want to gather. There's where the Lord sends a, a, a level of large living that is. Some people says, hey, there was no booze here last night. There was no beer. Why was everybody rejoicing? Because Jesus was there. Because his presence was there. Because we were honoring his birth. We were celebrating what um, we were talking last night about. I went to go buy a bow tie. I enjoyed my bow tie last night. I went to buy a bow tie and the lady says, you're going to the Vizcaya? You're going to the Kiwanis? Celebrate? I said, Some Kiwanis don't celebrate nothing. You want a party? You come to Spring of Life. You'll see a party. You'll see us celebrate Jesus. No Vizcaya, no Kiwanis Club. We're celebrating Jesus. Watch your heart. What, what is the area, um, I want to say that uh, Wellington Boone says that the woman is the inner man. A lot of times men have no feelings and our wives are the ones that are feeling everything. But what if the woman is driven by the affections of carnal thinking? Is she a blessing or a curse? It's a curse. Why? Because all her feelings are deceptive. They, they have a general uh, way of pulling and manipulating, but in the wrong direction. They feel it. They feel it hard and passionate. They move their families and their children, but many times in the wrong priorities, out of place. And so uh, Eve gets the man to move out of the garden. When we're talking about heart, you got to be careful that you're not just a heart Christian. That you do everything by feelings. There's some people that last night got so offended months ago, they didn't go to the party last night. Because their heart got affected. Got offended. And so watch your heart, because it'll pull your entire family outside of God's purpose. And so here we go. We have the last is the hands. A lot of us are all hands-on, no thoughts, no heart. We don't even know why we're doing what we're doing. In Luke chapter 10, verse 40, these people are always doing something, but they never... They never understand the capacity of what they're doing, and they don't think about the repercussions it has. Martha, say with me, was distracted with much hands-on. These could be the best people in the world, and they could be the worst people in the world. These hands-on people 
could run into a direction of doing things that are not the best things. They're good, but they're not the best. And, and I, I have to be careful as a leader not to be overtaken by doing things. If we were overtaken by doing things, um, many times we would miss out on God's purpose. Years ago, they gave us a food ministry. We ran it for 10 years, and it was usurping our energies. It was usurping our, our, our treasure, our assets. It was usurping our time. It was frustrating. Like five families quit the church because of this ministry serving. And it was because it wasn't God's timing and time frame for this ministry. It says she was distracted, disconnected, distant with much serving. A lot of people says, well, I, I, all I want to do is serve. Yeah, I understand you want to serve. But it's better to wait upon the Lord. It's way better to serve in God's timing that he makes things beautiful. She was distracted with much service. Say much serving. Much serving. Much serving. She approached Jesus even to complain, Lord, don't you care that my sister has no hands? She's not helping me. Don't you care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Nobody else is helping me. I'm, all, I'm doing this all by myself. Therefore, I have a suggestion to you, Lord. Get all these people that never do anything. Get them to start doing something. Verse 41. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are overwhelmed with much trouble about many things. You, you have so much on your plate that you never have the occasion to call a time out and say, Lord, I can do. I've told people this. I can do a lot of things. I'm 48. I'm bilingual. I'm a lawyer. I have a lot of potential, but I'm not going to walk in my potential. I'm going to walk at the feet of Jesus doing what he says. Because that's what he's looking for. Verse 42. You're worried and troubled about many things. You say you're too busy, busy, busy. You're doing much service. Verse 42 says, but one thing is required. And Mary has chosen that good part. And this, where she's investing her priority and her time, sitting at the feet of Jesus, will not be taken away from her. I see that some of us are so into the hands-on. The people that, that most get backslided are the hands-on people. Pastor! Yes, sir. I have this, this thing we're going to do. It's going to be big. It's going to be involved. Everywhere. In the city. And then after. And then next year. And then. And, and nobody gets involved. They get offended. And they leave. And I never see them again. They're so involved with their hands. They have no connection to the heart. Because I can't foresee you be connected with the heart and take off. Because nobody is helping you with the hands. Lord, give us mercy. Help us heal. Help us be balanced. Help us stop, you know, keeping all this on the inside. As God wants you to think about, uh, some people think that God is not rational, and he is. In Isaiah 118, he will invite you most often times to come into reason. Come and put your thoughts in order. I, I think to not do that, you need to go see my brother. You need a psychiatrist. If you can't put your thoughts in order, 
If your thoughts are not rational and logical and principled and based, Bobby Richardson said like this. He says, the, the Bibles were rules to keep my life in order. The fact that I could do many things outside of boundaries doesn't mean I have to do them. Let, he, this is Jesus. This is God in Isaiah 118. Come right now and let us put our thoughts together. Let's reason together. God is not a psychopath. God is not crazy, narcissist, deranged, thoughts scattered in every, no, God, God is not all over the place. God, God, this is one of the things which I honor God the most. Wisdom is putting all things in God's order. Wisdom is being able to do life in God's prescription. You see people that trample the word of God. These people are the most scary people in the world. They're all over the place. They, they don't have order in their lives. They have no peace. The work of righteousness is peace, the Bible says. And so there it is. In 1 Peter 3.15, he says like this, put in your hearts Christ. Put him there. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. Start in the, in the heart, always being ready to give everyone a, a reason to ask you, who ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. As you put Jesus in his proper place, your heart begins to gather and you're able to formulate words to give an answer, a reason. People, well, why do you do what you do? Well, I don't know. My wife is going to this church now. I have no idea. An uncle of mine said to his wife, oh, the reason I don't go to your church, because in his view, he's an atheist, he says, in, in my view, the church is a place where all the women gather to gossip. I go, wow, what an imbecile. What a nut. If he only knew what was going on this morning, that he could sit and contemplate the goodness of the Lord. To be able to put your life in order, to have peace, to have marriage, to have a family, to have your children. And so here, um, the, the Bible's into, says... Be always be ready to give and to defend against everyone who asks for the reason, the logic for the hope that is in you. There's a lot of head in there. You have to answer a lot of questions and be patient. So then we go from there, which is the reasoning and the logic. Now let's go to the heart again. Mark 7, 21. Jesus says, if you're going to address everything that's defective in the heart of man, don't worry about the words he speaks. Worry about what resides in his heart from within. And it proceeds out of the heart of men, the evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murders. Everything wicked is coming out of the heart. Say, Lord, heal my heart so that I don't sin against you. Come and, and embrace my inner man. And every time we have issues with murderers and with liars and thieves and unfaithful men, it's a heart issue. They're not thinking. It's, it's, it's their heart. They're being led by their passions. Out of the heart proceed these things. Verse 22. The things that proceed from the heart of man... The desire, the wickedness. Some people don't tithe because they're sick in their heart. They're not generous because they're sick in their heart. They, they can't conceive blessing anyone because it's, it's a condition of the heart. Pride, foolishness. All these things are coming from the heart. You have to say, Lord, heal my heart. Heal my heart. Allow me to become the person that you, you desire me to become. Not only in my head, reasoning with you, 
but in my heart, heal it. And then James chapter 1, verse 14. He says, what does it profit a man to have his head in reasoning in order, his heart, 2.14, I'm sorry, Romans 2.14. What benefit, James 2.14, James 2.14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no hands to carry out? Can his faith save him? You have it in your head, you've reasoned it, you have it in your heart, it's already been processed, and then if it doesn't come out, verse 15, what profit is it if this faith does not have works, if it's not seen? If a brother says, uh, or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, if there's provision missing, verse 16, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed to the body, what good is our faith? What, how does that benefit anybody to have a mind experience that's filtered in the heart and you understand the passion it requires when there's no expression? You don't put it forth. Verse 17. Thus also, faith, does faith by itself, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If it's not manifested, if it's the people aren't seeing progression. Yesterday when we were talking at the, at the Christmas gala, I was sharing to everyone and all the children were playing around. What do children do? They play around. It's normal behavior. What's not normal behavior is that a man grows up and he's 40 years old and he doesn't know how to love the Lord as God with his heart, with his head, and with his hands. It, just, it doesn't make reason. It doesn't make reason. There's a guy, he was doing a whole uh, exposition on how we should let uh, refugees uh, be uh, housed and homed and fed, except he doesn't feed, he doesn't house, and he doesn't invite refugees into his house. So he has it all clear here. He has an expression of passion that he's sharing, but then there's no delivery. So we need to be people that if, if we're going to change the world, it has to be a trifold expression. How many say amen? amen? And guess what? All of us have different realms of big heads, right? Big, they think a lot. Those are the, listen, we got Pastor Palma, right? Pastor Palma. This guy's analytical. I love it. I told the men's meeting last week that when I am going through life and I'm having difficulty doing what I do as a pastor, I go to Palma. I said, I need somebody to put, I go to Kenny. I said, Kenny, listen, this is what I'm feeling and this is what, I, 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 this is what I'm about to do. And he goes, Pastor, hey, slow down. Let's, let's put this stuff in order. And these men will, and, and that's a blessing. So some will be great thinkers. Some will have passionate hearts. Pastor, let's, let's whatever. They just, the whole world fits in his heart. Huge. But guess what? They need to come down and, and bring that to a healthy, uh, it's not a Peter scenario. May this never occur to you, Jesus. Thank you, Peter. You just ruined redemption for mankind. <laughs> Your big heart to save Jesus send us all to hell. Okay, so sometimes we have these huge hearts and we have um, little heads. Okay, and then the last time, a lot of us, and, and, and can we say that the majority of us doing is a lot we, we can do that a lot better than we do think or feel. 
And, and, and we can't be like that. Let's stand this morning. I took my 40 minutes. And let's ask the Lord. Let's ask the Lord. Lord, uh, we want to be a balanced people. We want to have our heads. We want to have our, our hearts and our hands all in it. Say with me, I want to know it. I want to feel it. And I'm going to do it. I want to know it up here. Because a lot, a lot of Christians, these guys are crazy, man. They're psychopath. They're called. They don't think. Listen to me. We have the brightest minds in the earth. Every invention that you can think of was developed by somebody that was raised up in the light of his word. That's how discoveries happen. The greatest scientists in the world were people that were, were super saturated in the words of his light. And then um, we want to have, there's, there's no, there should not be a bleeding heart liberal that has a greater heart than the people of God. We need to be the people that care and have the greatest degree of compassion and love. We're the ones that are have, uh, there was a statement, somebody says, well, the non-Christians, sometimes they have a bigger heart than Christians. Are you crazy? Are you insane? You know the heart that Christians have? It's called Christ's heart. And there is no greater heart than the heart of him who gave his life for us. Don't let don't people tell you that worldly people have more love than us. Are you insane? More compassion than us? No way. Not, not, in, not even if hell freezes over. It's not going to happen. The greatest heart are the heart of those people that represent and reflect the heart of Christ. And then let's, let's uh, not only know it, feel it, but do it. Let's get hands to action. I, I want to see that more and more. Um, like we were saying last night, we want to see that, that if we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ, that, that our celebration is worthy of his, of his reality. And so, Father, we thank you this morning for mercy and grace because all of us need what we heard this morning. We all need to have greater depth in studying, developing our, our thoughts, our minds, that we not dumb down and get dumber as we get more Christian, but that we become brighter, that we become uh, amazing thinking geniuses aligned up with the word of God, that we know the secrets of the mysteries, that we know the hidden and unsearchable ways of God. We pray also for a heart that is healed, Lord, for the heart has become desperately wicked and selfish and doesn't think outside of me, myself, and I. We pray, Lord, that our passion would be consistent with Christ's passion, that he was faithful to obey. He was faithful to do the will of God. He was restrained in his sentiment. He says, not my will, but thine be done. Pass this cup. It's not of my liking, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Conform our hearts to the measure of God. And Father, in the expression for the world to see your love, if we're not doing it, even though we think it and we feel it, if we're not doing it, then our faith is dead. We've done nothing. So align up our head, our hearts, and our hands that we might serve you with excellence so that we might change the world so our families might live for your glory. And we give you thanks for this word and we believe that it has been welcomed into our hearts. We will consider and meditate upon it to bring it to pass, Lord. 
for a fruitful harvest that glorifies your name. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.